We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. Trying to plan for the future has become as much art as science, perhaps even involving crystal ball analysis. The challenges are real and familiar. There are semiconductors, electric vehicle investments, the U.S. government pushing for more domestic production of EV parts. Workers are also hard to find. And we could be headed into a recession. So how does a supplier manage in all of this chaos? And what's a roadmap to a better future as it relates to customer relationships? OESA's Automotive Insiders hit the road recently for a number of recordings, broadcasting from the main hall at the Automotive Supplier Conference in Novi, Michigan. Today on this episode, we talk about 2023 with Plant Moran partner Darren Gifford. Automotive Insiders on the road at the OESA Annual Conference with Plant Moran. Well, he's a frequent guest on the program. It's good to see you in person here at the 2022 OESA Automotive Supplier Conference. The future is calling. How will you answer? Darren Gifford, how will you answer the future calling? <laughs> Thanks, Jason. It's a, it's a joy to be here with you again as well. Um, you know, it's a, well, yeah, the future is calling. That's, that's a tough one because the, the future is uh, so uncertain, for, for especially for suppliers right now, as far as what direction should they go, uh, what, what, are the, what does their customer want? What's their customer going to schedule next week even, right? It's a, yeah, uh, it's, planning, it's a crazy time. Planning for the future as an automotive supplier has become incredibly challenging, even more than historically, right? And we kind of always think that the period that we're in is the most pivotal period that we can possibly be in. And we would have said that 10 years ago. But I would venture to say, Darren, this is the pivotal period. This is the defining pivotal period. Tell me your thoughts on that. Uh, so, so you're asking an old man from that standpoint, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> so I started in the industry in, in the mid-70s, and so the Vega was a new vehicle okay. back then. Yeah. Uh, and that is, and Toyota was a junk car in those days. So Recent uh, import. That's right. Uh, just, just hit the market. Nissan actually hadn't even opened up their plant, and they were the first one in North America at that point. Um, so, uh, so I've seen a lot of these kind of pivotal moments. These people thought they were pivotal. Um, you know, so, you know, ranging from the Japanese coming in to lean manufacturing to financial troubles, uh, especially in the last Great Recession. Uh, but I, I agree with what your statement is. It, you know, this is probably the most pivotal moment I've seen in 45 years in the industry right mm. now. Um, because of the transition on the vehicle itself. I mean, it's, a, you know, to completely, you know, take out the guts of the architecture of the vehicle. And I grew up with, you know, you know, working on diesel engines. I actually was a diesel mechanic for a little while. Okay. And so it kind of breaks my heart in some ways. Uh, at the same time, uh, I have an electric vehicle now, uh, a Rivian truck, and uh, you know, and, and my wife loves it. It's you know, the drive is so smooth. It's a very just a, just a different, complete feel to the drive itself. And, but you know, and, and you know, to the consumer, we don't see it actually. It's all under the hood, uh, but a complete revolution in the in the powertrain. So that's. The tipping point. The, the tipping point is is the powertrain transition, but it also extends down into the supply chain issues that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years that don't seem to be going away. Um, they're aggravating and disrupting production. Uh, semiconductors we've been talking about since this show launched a year ago. Where are we with that at the same time that the propulsion system is changing? It's kind of two things, mm -hmm. perfect storm, if you will, right there. Well, well, it is. I mean, I mean whether it's a, a, a internal combustion engine or an electric drive, uh, frankly, they're both requiring more semiconductors and more capability than ever before, and uh, and you know, demand is exceeding supply. So we still have a supply chain crisis going on right now. 
Uh, I think the OEMs um, and suppliers have been you know, relatively creative. I say relatively only because it's hard to be completely revolutionary in a short-term time frame to try and you know, modify chip, the use of chips, modify the applications. In some cases, it's been a little drastic. I think a couple of the OEMs took out heated seats, for example, yep. those kinds of things. Yep. Not a big deal in Arizona, but in Michigan, yeah, it gets a little bit chilly in the wintertime. Um, but uh, I think the semiconductor crisis, uh, unfortunately, is not going to go away. Uh, you know, I've seen projections of people seem, seem to think a year or a year, two years. Uh, I think that's a little unrealistic because the demand for semiconductors continues to increase. The complexity of the semiconductors uh, is, is trying to get managed a little bit to try and make simpler ones in some cases, more digital, digital versus analog, for example. Um, uh, but that doesn't happen overnight in, in our industry. And so I think we're, we're in for, it's going to be a, a tough period for probably four or five years at least. And even then, now we're talking about bringing more domestic production of semiconductors into the U.S. And so that creates a whole other you know, disruptive challenge now. How do you bring a new plant online and get it certified, get it up and, up and running and, and, get, and get all the, the, the capital in place and the production in place? So, yeah, it's... it's yeah, we're, it's, it's not over for a, by a long shot. And not to mention the fact that we've actually had conversations on this program about the huge labor shortage as well. So uh, Bill Newman of SAP just talked about the fact that um, it's all good to, to inshore, but where are the workers? And this is a lingering problem as well. I'm guessing you would agree. Yes, it's, and, you know, I've had several conversations with our clients here at the, show, at the conference already, because uh, labor is clearly a, a big problem right now. Um, and, and frankly, one of the challenges in, in manufacturing, you know, we were known for basically paying you know, better wages, uh, you know, maybe a little more difficult working environments, but we didn't have to compete with Walmart. Yep. <laughs> didn't have to compete with McDonald's. And so they've all upped their game. Um, and, and, you know, they're different, there's a different kind of environment from the factory. And so I think there's a lot of activity we're going to have to take on the worker side to not only, uh, which is, is difficult in these economic times, to increase, you know, compensation and benefits and those kinds of things, but also change the working environment so that workers you know, don't want to stand in line greeting people or, or run in the cash register, but they'd rather work on the line itself. And that's going to require, frankly, some investment in capital, some more automation, uh, ways to make the job easier, also to, to increase the value add of the, of the job itself, increase the skill level of people who have to work on some of the more automated or robotic type of equipment that's out there. So uh, that's another revolution happening on how do you make all this stuff that's going to happen. So we talk about the, the numerous issues that are facing suppliers, daunting issues, challenges, opportunities as well. How does a supplier manage in all of this chaos, Darren? Well, uh, it's uh, one of the ways to, to uh, I'll say not manage, uh, which is to ignore the problems and just think you're going to keep moving along like you have. And many suppliers, especially not so much the tier ones, I think, but a lot of the, the smaller tier twos or three suppliers are used to reacting and responding. You know, to the customer, and it's worked really well for decades, uh, and you know, and you know, it's been a more reactive type of environment, frankly, to customer demand. You tell me what the spec is, I'm really good at making it. I'll go make it. Um, you know, that world is really going away pretty rapidly, and so now the suppliers really need to take a step back. Uh, they really need to look at their product and their capabilities, but also their customer base, and really re reevaluate. You know, what is it that they're in business to do? And in some cases, uh, they may be really good at making engine parts, and so it may wind up being, how, how do they you know, survive over the next decade or so? Because they're not going to go away, but, but demand is probably going to go down on ICDs. Um, or to make the transition to what kind of components do I make in an electric drivetrain in the future? And then how do I you know, make sure, basically, in that, that taking a step back and looking at it, understand what are my different alternatives? Really doing some really detailed analysis as well on 
you know, financially, what, which one's going to be best for me? What can I afford? Do I need to look at partners in this case? Do I need to look at to merging with somebody else or do I need to carve out some of the business? There's really difficult, disruptive challenges that are going to happen to all the automotive suppliers. And then you think about capital investments as well. New tools, new automation, new plants, new products. And the challenge that will be put in front of suppliers as it relates to the traditional approach of doing business. I think the main question is, how do you achieve ROI, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's been a traditional measure, you know, return on your investment. And uh, it's really going to take uh, some longer term thinking in some cases versus just a short term ROI. Uh, and, you know, and also some, some stability and confidence in your customers as well and the products that you're, the path you're going down. Because to make a, a significant capital investment with a longer return, you've got to have confidence that that's the right, the right direction to go. There's always risk involved. But if you, if you just focus in on, I need an ROI that's going to give me payback within a year or two, uh, that's going to lead you down the wrong path. We have one client that looked at their internal combustion engine parts, looked at their production processes, and said, you know, hey, my return on investment for my old plants and these old parts is really a lot better. I mean, but that's because the capital is all fully depreciated. This, this equipment was 30 years old. And so, great, go down that path, but you know something, in, in three to four years, you know, there may not be any future at all. And so it's, it's a really risky decision just to look purely at that, that metric. So you've got to look at all these other variables around it. And all of that with a possible economic recession and inflation upon us. <laughs> so. this, this is the strangest recession I think that I've, I have any, probably anybody's ever seen, right? Because of the supply chain you know, problems. Demand is still exceeding supply. Normally, every recession in the past, we'd say, time to hunker down. Right. Let's 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 relook at the staffing. Let's you know. Let's really watch out what's going to. Let's watch our spending. Let's really cut back. And in this recession, demand is still up there. Supply chain disruption is creating all kinds of variabilities, and the schedules keep changing every week from the OEMs because of that. Um, but you know, but jobs are still. You know, we're, we're not laying people off because uh, there's not enough people out there to actually do the work we've even got now. So we're really. It, this is a weird recession that's occurring right now. Um, so it's really, it's really important to understand what all those different levers are that you could potentially pull to really try and manage your future. There was a car dealer who's been around for 40 years, talked about the 1970s and Toyota and Nissan, which you alluded to in the beginning, of really creating a, a supply-constrained um, recession to some extent, just because there weren't enough of those vehicles that people eventually wanted to buy, and they ended up being glorious times in the industry, because once supply caught up to demand, to your point, then things flipped, but it's a very profitable time now in certain sectors, and I think that's probably one way to think of it, isn't it? Yeah, well, you know, if you're a car dealer right now, um, your inventories are lower than they've ever been, ever been, and your prices that you're able to sell are higher. There's not a lot of haggling going on with the, with the consumer, right? It's a, so, so the dealers are, are living large right now, uh, but it's a risk, because that's not going to keep going forever, right? Oh, well. Once demand kind of starts to come back in, the challenge there then will be, uh, will the OEMs go back to building inventory? Uh, because there is some value in inventory. If inventory provides some stability. And that's part of what's impacting all the suppliers back to the supply chain now is this, that you know, without enough inventory for safety stock for these little buffers in place, um, you know, then demand just jumps up and down constantly. And so the suppliers have not fairly figured out how to adjust to that yet. Lean manufacturing doesn't help a lot with that because lean manufacturing really wants more stability in the, in the demand equation in there. And so, even the Japanese OEMs are struggling right now because of that. It's always good to be with you, Darren Gifford, partner at Plant Moran. Thanks so much for being on Automotive Insiders and enjoy the rest of the conference. Thank you, Jason, it's great to be here. Thank you.
That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Darren Gifford of Plant Moran. Thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.